the old world is dying and the new world struggles to be born. Now is the time of monsters. Antonio Gramsci, 1924. Now this quote's been really rattling around in my head a lot the last year or so, really, ever since I read it, honestly. It's very much relevant to the theme and idea I have for this podcast, which is kind of to, at a time when everything seems really uncertain, there's a lot of shifting dynamics with power structures and our ability to pay rent and live and work. All these things are in great flux. Um, I've been out of a job for the first time in 25 plus years uh, for several months now, and I I'm at this place where I just kind of refuse to keep doing the same things I've been doing and expecting it to be okay. That's kind of the definition of insanity, right? So I've worked a lot of, you know, dead-end jobs as far as pay and, you know, type of work and very unfulfilling jobs to me um, in some respects. In other respects, they were really fulfilling jobs and I had really difficult management that made it impossible for me to stay there. So I, I definitely am feeling the the flux of everything and trying to figure out, okay, where where am I supposed to land? But what's been the most powerful and resonant thing that I've discovered just on my own journey, and that's kind of what I'll get to, is just that I, when I needed desperately some sort of intervention, and, and in my Christian faith of the past was was not answering that call. Everything that I tried within that system was failing me, and not only failing me, but making me feel exponentially worse about every single issue I had. And so I pretty much just said, you know what? I'm done. You know, Christianity is not relevant in my life. I want no part of it. But I was also at a point where I was ready to kill myself and leave behind a very beautiful young family because I was so, so lost in self-hatred and judgment for, again, primarily myself, but then outwardly so many other things and people. And it was through a very difficult process that I realized that all of these people were told to look to for inspiration and power, you know, whether it be a savior or a priest or a deacon or an elder or president, a politician, an actor, a comedian, anything that we kind of pedestalize ends up devouring our own inner sense of power that we honestly need to be tapping into at this time when the old world is dying and the new world is struggling to be born and there is clearly opportunists, let's call them. Monsters feels a little judgy, um, but they're doing monstrous things, so I guess the shoe can fit there. It's just very difficult for us to try and find peace within this, what feels very artificial, right? This power structure of a very few group of people deciding how billions of people live. It feels very much like a prison experiment if you get really dark and cynical about it, right? And I've gone through all the layers of deep, dark cynicism, you know, a foundational part of my journey was arriving at atheism and not just like, you know, the way I was told atheism works as a Christian, that like it's a religion unto itself and it's a cult and all this kind of stuff. And then I actually discovered 
mostly listening to The Thinking Atheist with Seth Andrews, that atheism is really about saying, you know what, based on the lived examples of my life, I don't believe that a loving creator God exists. But if he does, he or she does, I am all ears. I am all heart. Please, infuse me with that knowledge. I'm, I'm here for it. And you know, that, that's a little far for most people's atheism. It's usually just, I don't believe there's a creator God, period. Uh, most, I think, would say that they're open to evidence because most atheists are typically more science-minded. They, they want more data points than they want something that's rooted in feeling and emotion. And, you know, from my background, both the person I am and the kind of religious system I grew up in, Christianity— now, granted, it was mostly non-denominational, but it was still plenty of early years in a Presbyterian Southern church that, you know, all the hellfire and brimstone you need to absolutely scar and fuck up the mind of a small child by telling them you have two choices here. This eternal God who loves you so much and created you to just enjoy the world, but if you don't pick him, then he lets you go to a place of eternal misery where you're tortured without ceasing forever. There is no choice involved when you do that to a child. When that is what you present, it's these two complete polar opposite extremes, and that's your only choice. That's, to me, what summarizes kind of our entire failure of thinking as a society is we got to pick sides. It's A or B. It's left or right. It's black or white. You know, it's there's all these different terminologies we use, but we're 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 being manipulated into that you have to go to extremes. And I think the biggest part about for me realizing that I was the answer that I seek was to center all of that wild energy going towards things I can't possibly prove or understand. And and just taking that back and going, wait a second. What if, what if I'm actually the one in which I seek? What if I actually have the power within myself to change my circumstances? Is that even possible? You know, for 37 years of my life, I was sure that was not possible. I had willed and prayed for so much change, you know? I said, God, please fix my body. I mean, at this point, I was in such bad physical health, I couldn't eat anything without it just destroying my stomach. And I still have a lot of frailties with my body. It's just uh, the vessel I chose, right? But, you know, then it felt like this judgment on me, this curse. And, you know, I was in a bad, bad cycle of treating myself poorly and then wondering why I hurt. But I didn't care. I just wanted to die. I really just wanted to die as soon as possible so I could go home to Jesus and finally feel okay about everything, right? But... I quickly was coming to the understanding that that was not working for me or anyone around me. I was just projecting my misery constantly, and I I was very, very close to ending it when I finally found some answers. Now, granted, you could say, well, this was outside of you. This was something else. It was a catalyst and a very powerful one, but I, I was guided by my wife, um, who at the time I was in the process of trying to divorce, and I was living in an apartment by myself. I was that just bitter and angry um, 
you know, with a lot of things. It was a very, very dark, the darkest period of my life for sure. And I move into this apartment and the neighbor is an abusive asshole who's just attacking his girlfriend constantly. And then when I finally call the police, she tells the police to go away. And it keeps happening. I mean, this is over a course of the whole six months I'm there. They couldn't evict them because it was right when COVID started. So there was all these stays on eviction, which I was, you know, I understood that. But I was like, that was that was all meant to happen. I, I am sure that that experience was meant to be my absolute rock bottom or I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be inspired to try and do this podcast to try and help anyone else who, like me, just feels like they're spinning their wheels, like they're just caught in this loop of chaos that has no exit point and certainly don't think that they are any kind of answer. All they see in themselves is failure and fuck up and, you know, chaos. Because until we learn, like, where the energy is coming from that is guiding us, it completely controls us. And I've barely got a handle on any of that. I'm still being absolutely controlled by, you know, years of layered-in, deep-seated manipulation from really my ego and i'll get to kind of like my opinions on the ego later but essentially i see the ego now as like the um you know the necessary vehicle to transform and to have these experiences but it's not it's not really your ally it's not really your friend it's it's trying to constantly keep you grounded in the physical and keep you forgetting who you really are so in that apartment, I was completely just done over it. But my wife, who I was in the process of trying to divorce, we were still talking, and she sent me a link to an episode of Goop, of all things, the Gwyneth Paltrow company, um, which I still have very mixed feelings about. But the actual like Netflix show, you know, the first episode, they're talking psilocybin therapy. I was like, oh, okay. And it was a really good episode. I thought I had some really positive information about the therapeutic benefits of psilocybin. Anyway, the uh, second or third episode of that show was on the Wim Hof method. And I had never heard of it. I just thought that sounds interesting. So I watched the whole episode and I was like, huh, well, I mean, what have I got to lose? I, I feel like absolute shit it's either this or I die of COVID because this was right when COVID was coming and my body was just completely, I mean, I was 70 pounds heavier than I am now. I was uh, just miserably unhealthy and I've always had crushing headaches. Those have not gone away. Unfortunately, I have, I take an amount of Tylenol and Advil per day that should kill me by now. I don't know how my organs haven't shut down, but I'm still trying to figure that one out. So love to come across like an energy healer who could help me out with that because again and it's kind of the irony right is i'm saying you are the one in which you seek and i believe that but i think i've only scratched the surface so i started doing wim hof method pretty religiously for well every day and then i was seeing a natural doctor who was helping me kind of cut ties with a lot of bad habits as far as food and stuff but man just within like two weeks of doing the breathing i was completely snapped out of my suicidal ideations that were constant. Um, I had really let go of this hatred for myself that was so deep-seated. I had remembered all the things I loved about my wife and realized just how fortunate I was to have, you know, my family and my daughters. 
Now, I'd always been trying desperately to keep my relationship with them intact, but, you know, it was very difficult during those six months I was out. But I realized after doing Wim Hof Method and completely reversing, doing a 180-degree turn from a lot of the, most of the directions that I was going, shortly after the Wim Hof breakthrough and my natural doctor kind of helping me, I realized I don't need... I don't need religion. I don't need a guru or a guide or, or a, a sage necessarily to to heal my mind and body. I actually can do that on my own. I just have to be really diligent, which is, you know, almost, what, four years later, the rub is being diligent. I have not done Wim Hof Method consistently or the cold showers I was doing and the I was doing yoga. You know, my, I, granted, I had a backyard with a fence and I could do, you know, private yoga in the sun. Now I'm surrounded by houses and there's just no privacy really for that. So I, you know, indoor yoga is fine. I just find myself less drawn to it because I really enjoyed getting the vitamin D. But anyway, after a few months of, of basically discovering where so many hangups were, my wife was willing to give things a try again. And I came back home and we had Man, just like the best, like the the next year and a half was like the new honeymoon. Our relationship felt brand new, and it was so much because I was letting go of all this self-judgment, this self-hatred that was so tied up into my views about, you know, who I am as a sinner um, in light of, you know, the Bible and everything else. So I eventually landed on atheism, and I started listening to the Thinking Atheist podcast, reading Christopher Hitchens. I still think God is Not Great is an incredible book and well worth reading. You know, I said I was a secular humanist, and I, and I did this to my whole family. I was very out with it. I decided that I'm not going to be ashamed of who I am anymore. And, you know, I told people, look, I might change my mind on this, right? I'm just saying right now, I definitely do not see the God of the Bible being real. And I get, you know, here's all my examples and evidence and you know, textual errors, and I mean, shoot, just listen to Bart Ehrman or any of the scholars who actually tell you that, okay, well, most theologians who go to Bible school, they learn about all these major inconsistencies, right, all these massive problems with the Bible, but they're not going to go and start a church and say, hey, guess what I found out about the Bible that's totally different than every other church in town. No, you're going to stick with the, the program because you need to make a living. You didn't go to seminary to have no means of income for you or your family. Now, a lot of people go there in a more, you know, pious pursuit. I actually went to a Bible college in England, of all places, right out of high school, because I wanted to be a missionary. And then I sat there for eight hours a day, just lectures. And a lot of the lectures were like, Today we're looking at judges. And in Judges, we see God. It, I'm not exaggerating. I had to actually sit in the um, sound booth and record some of those, and I would fall asleep at times because it was just that grinding. And then we'd have a few other people who were the polar opposite and be really engaging, but that was not what I was expecting. And it was very much the same deal as... It was like a watered-down study of the Bible and most of the people who worked there were really not very happy to be there, at least not in the way they acted. To back it up a little bit, 
after doing Wim Hof and having this massive breakthrough and coming home and restoring my marriage and my, you know, relationship with my family, I started to slowly kind of peel back some more layers and, and ask more questions and say, all right, again, if there's a source or a creator or God out there, like, I'm all ears, but I'm really skeptical, and you're going to have to really convince me with something, you know, evidence-based. Like, I, I, don't want, I don't want anything that people would call woo or, you know, something that's really similar to the religious types of ideas that I used to grab onto that were really, really subjective, right? They didn't have a grounding that you could easily articulate to someone asking about it. You just would have to say, well, I just you have to have faith. You just have to trust, right? That's kind of the default in, in the church when you just have no clue and you're being cornered on a logical fallacy. You just have to have faith. God's got it worked out. So um, I didn't have that level of, call it faith. So I just decided that, you know, I'm going to pursue this on my own. I don't want the biases present of what this should or shouldn't be. And so, man, I, I started listening to meditation music. That was like the first thing. And different frequencies. I, I found the um, Solfeggio frequencies by Metaverse, not the not the Zuckerberg thing, but it's M-E-T-T-A-verse. They have some really beautiful tracks to listen to for meditation and even for, you know, some other types of experiences you're going for but the the solfeggio frequencies album is a great introduction to just sort of tapping back into your own power because it, it it's meant to be frequencies that are resonant with your chakras which are the seven energy centers that are present in your body they are they're kind of like a blending of the physical and spiritual now you can't obviously you know catch them on an x-ray or, or an mri and, and therefore, their existence is controversial, right? I can't prove I have chakras. But I've, I've kind of done some of the steps to potentially activate or bring light into those chakras, and I've, I've felt that there's been a lot of understanding for me. But really where that changed was, again, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, this is really pleasant, soothing music. It's putting me into a relaxed state, but I kind of need some answers here still. Or, or not. I was actually okay just accepting the world as an accident of science and that when we die, we go into the ground and that's it. But, you know, that's still kind of okay with me, right? That we're just here for this weird experience and when it's over, it's over. But then I was on YouTube and the algorithm was coming for me. I guess listening to the meditational music kind of segued into a similar theme, which is, interestingly enough, near-death experiences. And I heard my first near-death experience story from a Ukrainian-American man named Andy Petro, the old man who drowned when he was, I don't know, 13, 14, something like that. And he recalls the story of sinking to the bottom of the lake and being terrified and feeling the, the knowledge he's going to die and then hearing a voice calling him and following the voice and going to the light and experiencing all the joy and wonderment of what he called home and just said that, you know, he was able to view all of his past lives. He said his different people, different species on different planets, and my friggin' head exploded. And, you know, I, like, I remember crying really, really hard 
when I watched this because I was like, if there's any truth to this, then oh my God. But I was, of course, very cynical, and I said, uh, this is an old man who probably hallucinated something that happened when he was younger, right? Pretty easy to write off to a cynic. But then I uh, found out about books like Life After Life and IANDS.org, which is the um, International Association for Near-Death um, Stuff. I don't remember the last <laughs> the S. Just look it up yourself. Um, it There was just so much available, so many stories. I started watching you know, YouTube video after YouTube video. There's some great channels that that have these videos. Um, Anthony Shane Productions, which is Anthony C-H-E-N-E Productions. Coming Home. Let's see, what's it? Shaman Oaks. There's a couple other NDE ones that are like the other side NDE and a couple other ones that are a little a little more frequent and I would say just slightly less quality, like lower quality in terms of, you know, the, the video and the audio. And sometimes the stories are a little more like, you know, someone astral projected or they had an out-of-body experience, but they didn't actually die. I'm, I'm a little more compelled by actual, like, near-death experiences. But then just through discovering the power of that and kind of, like, asking other people, have you ever heard about these? You know, there's actually people in my life who said, well, I actually had one, you know, and this has happened with a couple friends. You know, my grandma's had some visions that were consistent with these stories. And so I just kind of got really excited again that like, oh, oh, I'm actually a spiritual being having a physical experience versus the other way around. I always thought, you know, I was just this lowly sack of meat trying to make a God happy. But then I came to this new understanding through these near-death experience stories, which were all resonant with the same beautiful message that we are all created equal as one, that we are we are truly united in our core, and that everything that's happening here is of no consequence ultimately to our purest state of being. And this gets into some really heavy stuff that I'm not sure if I want to get into too much, but I'll just give a quick kind of summary, all right? And just follow along. You don't have to l- listen. With anything in this podcast or anything I say, take what's good and that resonates and that inspires you and throw out everything else. You know, you can judge me if you want to. If I say something really off base that really bothers you, I would encourage you to maybe see it as a failed misperception on my end because I am still very much on this journey of of learning and unlearning. But I think for me, I find more benefit when I can take a person's information and, and just draw in what's positive and helpful for me and just discard the rest and not see it as a need to judge them. Just go, okay, just like me, they have a lot of good to, to add, but it's also mixed in with a lot of confusion. Not bad, just error, confusion, misunderstanding. And that misunderstanding to me is born out of the pain of when we originally separated from our source. So here's how I believe the hierarchy works. And I'm not big into hierarchies or power structures at all. I'm very much like, let's um, decentralize power everywhere we can. And and of course, everyone thinks that's radical and extreme, but look at the world we're in. (laughs) That's that's pretty radical and extreme. and I, I, anyway, we don't need to get into to extreme solutions, but 
All right, so let me back it up. So here's sort of the hierarchy, right? There's source, which is this infinite field of energy that is pure love. I know that sounds hokey, but it's just pure love energy that exists outside of time and space. So it's eternal, it's infinite. And it created all of us as individual spirits. Now, that spirit is just pure light, the pure love light of God, of source. That's It's basically an imprint. Like when, when the Bible says a lot of things like God made us in his own image, it's sort of right, but then sort of not. So like our spirit was made directly in the image of God. So we were made to be creators like God, to have the power to create and manifest our own worlds, right? And our own reality. But part of the deal was we wanted to experience like everything else that's out there that's not love. Because all we had known is just this blissful state of oneness and it was perfect. But we kind of got bored. Like that sounds really insane that we would get bored in perfection. But just think about any time in your life, maybe you've been on vacation for a little bit too long and you're kind of feeling listless. Like I got stuff back home I need to deal with, you know, like I got responsibilities and um, and it's kind of a bad example, but you, you could see how maybe just being in one state of mind, one frame, one mode could get a little bit stagnant, even if it's perfection. So what we decided to do was to project our light down through this pinhole called the veil and create this physical universe. We, we designed it. We designed it to have a trick built in, which is called ignorance. So when we left source, we believed we were separate. We forgot we were God. And so th this entire journey is about remembering, oh yeah, I'm God. And not in a way that's like, I'm not talking about Messiah complex stuff where you're allowing your ego to also sort of jump in and go, oh, I'm God. I get to do whatever I want. I'll bow before me. You know, like you can get down, you can start to make it oh, I get to be like the Old Testament God, you know, and just everything that's unpleasant in my sight will be destroyed, basically. And I will encourage the subjugation and slaughter of women, children, livestock, animals, whatever. I don't like it. It's unworthy and destroy, you know, worthy of destruction. That's, uh, that's one way you could take this idea that, okay, I'm actually in charge of my own destiny. And many will, many will take it that direction. And that's why we have so much freaking suffering in our world because people kind of remember oh yeah i have a lot of power but i can do whatever i want but when you create out of ego and darkness and selfishness you can do it it's all allowed because love does not require anything back i'll say that again love can only give it does not require anything back so source just said you know what do whatever you want i'm here when you decide to come back home and we're out here toiling, screaming, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? We're, we feel this deep sense of betrayal and cut off. But man, how empowering is it to go, oh, I did that. I, I made this happen because I wanted to experience everything between light and dark. And so I chose to immerse myself in the darkness, knowing that I would organically make my way back to the light. And the reason we do that is because we have that core of light still within us. That's never severed. We always have that core of light attached to us back home in our spirit form. So you literally can't, you can't mess this thing up. You can only just keep hacking away at it until you remember, 
oh, I am the one in which I seek. Through source, I have been given the, the domain over this physical universe, and I can, I can use that for exerting pain, ignorance, and darkness, or I can use that to exert this infinite feeling of joy and bliss and transcendence of all of this, because it's a remembrance that in my purest natural state, I'm both outside of time and space, and I'm not in any way harmed by what's happening here. In fact, and this is a book I've been really into, is A Course in Miracles, talks about how the ego and the spirit can't actually meet, which sounds really awful, because you're thinking, well then, okay, so I'm always screwed, I can't actually find home. No, the spirit is incorruptible, and it can't it doesn't need to believe in your illusions. It, it just allows them to happen because love allows all things. Knowing that, again, with that core of love inside of us, we will always gravitate back towards that love. It's just, it's within us naturally. So we can run for lifetimes and lifetimes and however long we want from our truth of who we are, but we all have that in our future. Now, it gets into a whole lot of weird stuff with like cycles and levels of advancement and light workers and star seeds and earth souls and you know all these different things that I've kind of been learning about that are really still very new and fresh. So don't don't take me as any kind of authority on well just anything. Like I said, do not take me as an authority on anything. I'm just one guy who's had a set of experiences that I think are hopefully relevant to people who are also struggling with this idea of who am I and why am I here and why does it suck so bad and why is it so confusing and difficult to just have any peace, to have any sustained lasting peace. And to me, the only peace you can have is when you realize it's not here, that this isn't home, this is a school. Earth is a training ground. Now we can make it heaven, we can bring heaven to earth, absolutely. But that requires the majority of people to remember who they are. I think it's like uh, 51% or something. It has to be like a critical mass of people. And then this is, again, wildly speculating. But theoretically, when you have a critical mass of people who have created in their mind this vision of, of what a good and noble place to live is for everyone, then the reality around us literally will change to meet that because we're, we're actually creating this entire experience with our minds. And again, we have way more creative power than we think. Now it manifests far slower in this realm as humans because we have a very thick veil. Um, that just means on an earth life, we are very, very cut off from this idea that we are God. And, and, and you, again, you can see that because of how dominant religion is telling us you're not only not God, but you're disgusting, unworthy swine who is only worthy of hell until you turn everything over about yourself to something else. That's the that's the lie from the ego. Like religion is absolutely a cult of ego, and people are fooled by it because it, it appears the opposite. It appears that we're actually enriching our lives by calling ourselves worthless. That we're somehow inflating our value by deflating our sense of internal energy and intuitiveness. 
it's a scary thing, but what if you actually realize that you are the one in which you seek? And again, it's so difficult to navigate that deep intuition and separate it from the ego and, and the mind. And I think one thing that's really helpful is to identify what is the mind and what is even your next thought going to be. Just think about that for a second. What is your next thought going to be? You probably don't really have a clue, right? And that should tell you something. If you don't know what your next thought's going to be, are you in control of your mind? Are you ultimately in charge of the energy that is flowing through your thought processes? Or is it kind of just being accessed by you? You know, basically that is your ego just kind of gnawing away at you, telling you that you're, you know, you're not good enough or, or you're way too good for this or, you know, all these extremes, all these messages that pull us in all these different kind of polarizing directions. And so it's not about hating your, your ego and trying to kill your ego. I thought that was the answer. I actually was seeing a, um, a therapist who I came to saying, I, I want my ego to die. And he's like, well, that's actually, that's actually not a good pursuit because you need your ego to survive. You know, I, I actually read, you know, sometime after that, that there was nothing more egoic than the pursuit of an ego death. And it's like, wow, that's kind of true. This idea that, you know, I have to slay the dragon kind of deal. No, it's about like Jung was talking about with shadow work. You're integrating you're integrating the ego as a necessary tool of, of learning for this experience, but you're not placing your long-term hope in that. You're not identifying yourself with the ego. That's, that's the hard one, is finding a new identity beyond this body you're in. And so for me, it's been really profound to say, I am not the pain and struggles of David. That I am just, I'm not just, I am an infinite spirit projecting down into a soul that is going through many, many lives and experiences just trying to remember who I am and creating within that all of these new possibilities for new realities. Like this isn't just like a big weird exercise to go through torture and just come back home and go, well, we're back to where we started. You'll never go back to where you started. We're creating completely new and profound realities and experiences through our lessons we learn here. Like nothing is wasted. So your life might feel in your mind a waste or insignificant or whatever, but you just, just trust that you brought yourself here to learn eventually that you're well beyond the limitations of this body and this mind and these lessons you've been taught, this miseducation you've been given about the world, about us. I mean, most of our lives we've been fed not just misinformation, but just disinformation. And I believe now that that is all of great value because without it, we don't really challenge ourselves to learn what's really important. We just accept what's given to us and and, and believe it's going to be good. But if we're given nothing but lies and deception, we have to use our intuition and our innate abilities to solve that. And so I think that's, again, what we're here to do is just to figure out, I don't have to be all these things. I don't have to accomplish all these specific goals. They're all well and good and can be done. And they're everything is permissible. Not everything is beneficial. 
I still actually like pulling out a few random Bible verses that either fit or reframing them. That's one thing in A Course in Miracles is they really reframe a lot of Bible verses and make them actually make sense to me and not in a way that feels like, oh, this is a blatant manipulation to try and indoctrinate people into some, you know, whatever, whatever stuff I would have told myself as a Christian. Like, no, this is actually, like, I look forward to reading this book. Uh, I look forward to reading the Yeshua channelings, which are another series of channelings with Yeshua, which I'll get into Yeshua another time. I believe that a lot of the things that happened uh, in the Bible with Jesus are roughly accurate, but the whole, like, in the channelings, Yeshua basically is saying, it was really disappointing when I was here in a lot of ways because my disciples and all these people around me just kept not understanding what I was saying. I was trying to tell them that you are you are God already, you are divine, you don't need all these religious rules to become worthy. You just have to remember that you are worthy, and from that will flow love, light in all of your chakras. You will project out that remembrance, and you will save the world on account of they'll just be drawn to your light. You don't need to preach. You don't need to tell people they're sinners, they're going to hell. Like I don't believe anything in the Bible ascribed to Jesus that talks about eternal punishment, um, sin, are, are actually attributable to Yeshua. Both in the uh, Way of Mastery channelings with John Mark, the Yeshua channelings with Pamela Kriba, and the uh, A Course in Miracles book, it's a very consistent message that Yeshua came here to hold up a mirror to show us our own divinity, not to be our rescuer, he, in fact, says, I am your brother and friend. Please stop there. That's it. I've only had more time to advance up the ranks, basically, which we all kind of go through these cycles where we, you know, the next step for us is out of the body. We have a heart-based existence in the fifth dimension, and then you go up to the sixth dimension and the seventh dimension. Those are all just how we graduate back towards home. It's just a natural process, just like as you grow up from a child to an an old person, you know, it's a process, and every step is very different. So, so is our spiritual journey. It's all it's it's all kind of like a matryoshka doll of each other. Like everything that's happening in the universe is happening on these like infinitesimally small scales, and it just kind of scales up. And I mean, you can see that with the way neurons in the brain look compared to you know maps of the galaxy um, that show kind of this similar neural network type structure and it's really fascinating to see all these you know the the golden ratio and how that's you can see how that's kind of used as the template for designing so many different plants and animals and, and different things and you can kind of understand how we we could have created all this and um that doesn't really soothe the raw feelings when shit's just going wild and you got crazy people on tv telling you to do crazy things and we're all being you know, herded into this notion that the only salvation for us here is to vote for two of the most indescribably corrupt people that have ever taken the stage on a political level, and that's somehow supposed to be good enough. And I, you know, I'm not here to advocate for any specific thing because, again, this is all a this whole thing is a tool for our learning, but. I do believe we can create heaven on earth. And I do believe we do that when we start to not just, we don't need to judge and 
destroy all these institutions that are not serving us. We just need to ignore them. Just walk away. Give them no more of your time, money, or energy, and they will dissolve on their own. Stop going to church if you're conflicted, and start asking if there's a higher self within you that can answer these questions. Start asking if there is wisdom that can be had without the need for some sort of book or teacher or scholar or guru. Like, that's my whole trip. If, I, if there's anything I can get across in this podcast, and I'm coming across very evangelical, I get it. Like, I never really quite lost that. But if there's anything you can grab from this, it's that you absolutely have every right to put your energy where you want it, to draw boundaries where you need to, and to only invite things that are resonant and joyful to you. And everything else, find ways to lovingly discard. We don't need to burn everything down and scream judgments. We're here to release conflict, I believe. We're not here to continue conflict. And so, you know, this idea that we we keep fighting for peace is is kind of the reason we're in this mess. We keep getting stuck in this cycle of fighting, fighting, fighting for peace. You know, it's like that old joke, fighting for peace is like fucking for virginity. It's true. It's illogical, yet that's somehow the ego's answer for deciding who is worthy and unworthy. Now, I think there's a lot more in play here with non-human intelligences being involved. I, I think that it gets really heady when you get into the lightworker stuff in the Yeshua channelings because they talk about that lightworkers were essentially what we would consider aliens or more ancient species that were not didn't have the access to all the energies that we do. So life's a little less nuanced, but they also advanced very much technologically. Um, but essentially they created us to manipulate us. Like human beings were sort of a hybrid of, you know, our, our common ancestors with a genetic advancement. That's sort of the, the going, th I think that's what is kind of the big humdinger that's going to come out this year with disclosure is that we were not created, you know, these physical bodies were not created special by God. That's not, God created our spirits. Like that's not even really relevant to any of this, to be fair. And, well, it's relevant, but it's just bear with me. <laughs> so essentially light workers are supposed to be these ancient aliens that created humans that genetically modified, you know, a chimp or whatever it was and designed us to have our fear centers greatly enlarged, but also to, you know, be very left-brained and survivalistic and also I think mining for resources might be a part of this. I really don't know. Either way, we were essentially designed to, to be controlled and manipulated. But the thing is, we're not, like, again, that's that's all very scary if you don't believe that you are a spirit beyond that that is incorruptible, that can't be harmed by this illusion, because truly this is just an illusion. It's a matrix. It's a game. It's whatever you want to call it. And that to some people, it devalues the meaning. To me, it just it adds the meaning. Because then we can make it whatever we want. We don't have to keep limiting ourselves to just these reductive views of how things need to be. Well, that's just the way it is, and it's black or white, or it's, you know, choose a side. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken with, like, neighbors and stuff, or people I know, 
where family, whoever, you know, we're talking about all the difficult things happening in the world, and they just go, we got to pick a side. And I just keep thinking, do you? Why don't we just pick, a, why, don't we, why don't we divest from that thinking? Because binary choices have led us to a lot of pain and confusion on this sphere. Let's think beyond ones and zeros. Let's, let's go for all the nuance. I believe that between light and darkness is every shade of color, and we're here to paint with those colors. We're here to create any canvas we want, and we're going to make a lot of shitty, ugly, terrible, self-defeating canvases before you realize that's not very cool. Compare it to something trivial like an artist just starting out. Their first paintings are going to suck. Their first times playing their guitar, or in my case, drums, guitar, piano, and bass are going to suck. And they still suck because they don't practice enough. But that's a different story. Um, it, you know, you have to start out miscreating and doing things the wrong way to realize why that's not, why not to do it that way. Otherwise, it's just all in your head. Like, well, I guess it's not good to do that, but I don't really know. I just have been told it's not good. Basically, our entire trip here is to fuck around and find out. Like, FAFO is kind of um, more profound than it should be because that's what we're here to do. But then when we find out that we're not limited to these very difficult physical experiences, we're free. We're free to to return back to the joyous state of creativity and bliss. And I believe that once you embrace that understanding, it's not about saying the right prayer or confessing a certain thing. It's just about remembering that you're more than your ego, you're more than this body and that you are made from love, you can only create out of love, and all of the darkness within you is illusion. Fear is an illusion. Love is the only real thing. And and I am so excited for us all to remember that, because I, with everything in me, I believe that now. Like, I used to be very, very unsure even about my Christianity, because I was constantly doubting it. It didn't make a lot of sense to me on a lot of levels, and I was very much, you know struggling with it my whole life and it man talk about uncomfortable small groups and youth group and (laughs) life groups or home groups whatever they were called I was always that guy who was being dead honest about how I felt about stuff and people just got really quiet and nervous and like let's all pray for David he's really struggling you know people just didn't know how to handle honesty like hey this doesn't make sense and I kind of think it's messed up can we talk about that well, you just have to have faith, David, that the Bible is perfect now. There is no lack in it or wrong. So, you know, just, again, we're being told constantly, stop questioning, stop stop asking of yourself, does this resonate with me? Does this bring me joy and love and light? And I can keep going on and on for two hours with stories about my life and details But I'd rather go ahead and stop things here, give you a chance to sort of digest all the stuff I've thrown out there. It's a lot. It's scattered. It's not really in a chronological order. It's not necessarily in an easily digestible order, and that's just part of how my brain works. So on one hand, I apologize, and on the other hand, this is totally me, and I'm mostly okay with that. i got to be honest with you. I can't sit here and act like I am fully content and fully pleased with myself. There is still an ego that I have to war with in a way. And again, warring is probably the wrong approach. Integrating. There's a shadow and an ego that I'm trying to integrate 
to complete this experience, not because I wish to take that with me to the next experience or back home. Because as soon as you die, the ego, the anxiety, the fear, the pain, the, all the misguided thoughts are left here. And all of the good parts of you are what ascend. The heart, the remembrance of home, the reflection of the perfect spirit that you are is now accessible to you. But it's really hard to believe any of that, right? Especially when we're immersed in this very, very convincing hologram. And that's what I believe it is. We've created a projection, a holographic image of our light that allows us to, again, create all these new possibilities, but with the the comfort, safety, and security of just always being home and not having to fear anything. So on that note, my vision for the future of this podcast is to have guests on who wish to share their stories, who have been touched by some event in their life that radically changed how they view themselves, the world, their friends, you know, the earth, God, spirit, whatever. I would love to hear from you, especially if you've had a near-death experience. I'm very, very fascinated by the numerous stories that I've ingested there, so would love to hear from you. My email is you have the keys 639 at gmail.com. So you have the keys, just like it sounds. You have the keys 639 at gmail.com. Send me an email. Let me know if you got anything out of the podcast, if you didn't get anything out of it, if you'd like to be on it to contribute your story of you know, how you were able to turn something very dark and ominous and frustrating in your life into this new reality of, of love, light, and joy. And I know it's not, again, such a linear straight line from pain to love. There's a lot of swinging back and forth on the pendulum. You know, I've noticed that with myself. I'm trying to reach this center point, but I started, you know, with the with the the weight pulled all the way to one side and let go so that the pendulum swings in its most extreme arc until finally over time I get tired of being on the seesaw and swinging from these extremes, and I start to find that middle ground as that pendulum slowly starts to wind down and loses momentum. It eventually lands right back on center. And I think that's exactly what we're here to do, experience all these polarities, all of these extremes, and then just go, huh. So I don't have to actually choose either. I don't have to make a judgment on either. I can just sit here in the middle, zen-like, and say, let it all unfold around me, and everything is as it should be. I am in my right place. All is well. Even if there's a freaking inferno going on around you, it doesn't matter. Your job is not to contain that inferno. It's not to prevent the chaos from happening. Because everyone has to go on their own journey. And everyone has to experience that pendulum swing from extremes. To finally realize that back in the center is where we're at our best. It's where we're most able to help the most people including ourselves, because we're not hung up on some extremely polarizing idea that tends to steal the majority of our energy and time. 
Again, send me an email. You have the keys, 639 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're thinking. Love to hear from you. Love to hear if this has helped you in any way. And if not, then again, just chuck it out the window and move on with your day. Don't even sweat it. I apologize for taking 53 minutes of your time, but I hope that, again, there was some value here. And stay tuned because I'm going to have at least a few guests lined up for the future of this podcast. And if you want to check me out on my friend's podcast, I recently made an appearance on there. I recently made an appearance on there. It's called Bon Bon's Nook. That's B-O-N, B-O-N apostrophe S-N-O-O-K. I believe the episode I'm on is called Writing the Waves of Consciousness or something like that. And it's with my great friend, Sean, that I've known for a very long time when I used to live in Washington State. And so his podcast is basically him having conversations with different people that he respects or enjoys their their mind and their approach. So if you're just kind of into a sort of love-centered podcast, just people talking, sharing their lives, it's a great podcast. It's very simple. There isn't a lot of you know structure and format, which is refreshing. Kind of like mine, <laughs> to be fair. So maybe that'll come. Maybe I'll, you know, if you're a, a talented um, producer or something and you think you have some some really helpful notes or or you want to work with me, well, I can't hire you because I'm broke. But, <laughs> but you know, the future to me is wide open. This can be anything that I'm basically allowing for the space to see if it's resonant with anybody. And if it is, then I keep going. If not, then I find something else where I'm able to be where I'm able to be effective at helping people reveal their own light to themselves. On that note, I pray that you go in love and light and that you re-envision your life just a little bit every single day. And that you start to believe that you are worth it. You are worthwhile. You are worth the effort. And with that, namaste. I'll see you next time.